0: This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by Bosch eBike Systems, maker of outstanding motors, displays, and rechargeable batteries that work seamlessly with the most reputable electric bike brands in the world. Do we have our lunches? Yes. Do we have our backpacks? Yes. Are we wearing helmets? Yes. Okay, let's go. This is the energetic sound of my morning. When I take my kids to the school bus stop in a cargo bike outfitted with a Bosch e bike system. All right. That purring sound you hear is my favorite part. Bosch crafts extremely efficient motors, which means they don't have to be screaming at really high wattages to help you up steep hills. The motor is also positioned where it should be, directly between the pedals. That keeps your center of gravity low and makes for a more natural and balanced ride. Woo-hoo! Yeah, it really is as fun as it sounds. Bosch's pedal assist technology has sensors that literally read your movement a thousand times a second. The result is a remarkably responsive motor that gives you the output you want exactly when you need it. On a cargo bike, that means low-end torque to get me going right off the line at a stop sign. Here we go. But if you're rolling on an e-road bike, Bosch motors are specially metered to kick in the strongest when you're climbing or pedaling at high speeds on the flats. If you've never ridden an e-bike or you haven't tried the latest generation of amazing options, now's the time. I've been riding electric bikes for more than a decade, and everything about them has gotten so much better. Learn why Bosch's technology and expertise make them the leading supplier for electric bike systems at bosch-ebike. dot That's b o s c h-ebike. Can we do it again? Can we do it again? Please? All right, here we go. Yes. From Outside Magazine. This is the Outside Podcast.
1: Cedar frantically cuts weight, knowing that each step could be his last. <laughs> you know. you.
0: This is the sound of Alex Honnold, the world's most famous rock climber, doing what he loves most.
1: Just shit-dogging.
0: Heckling his good friend Cedar Wright.
1: I am afraid of dying. Alex is unsympathetic to his plight.
0: <laughs> the two of them are at the base of a thousand-foot wall of sandstone in Red Rock National Conservation Area just outside of Las Vegas on a chilly spring morning. Cedar is also a professional climber, but he hasn't climbed in a month and a half. And today, Honold has dragged him out to scale this wall and several others. Not surprisingly, because this is Alex Honold, they won't be using any ropes.
1: Part of being a professional is looking death right in the eyes and not blinking. <laughs> oh, I don't want to
2: be a professional anymore. <laughs> oh, I hate being a professional. I want to go home.
0: I want to be an amateur. Honold and Cedar, which is what they call each other, might seem like an unusual pair. Arnold is in his physical prime and sharply analytical. Cedar is far from being in the best shape of his career and a bit of a goofball. So what are they doing here, about to free solo about 5,000 feet of sandstone together? What makes two people who are so different choose each other to engage in one of the most high-risk outdoor sports? Well, you'd be surprised. Outside podcast producer Marin Larson is here to explain what makes climbing's oddest couple tick.
3: Honnold and Cedar, with a decade age gap between them, come from two different generations of climbers. Cedar earned his place in the world of big wall climbing at Camp Four, the infamous hangout for climbers in Yosemite, as one of the hard climbing, dirt bagging stone monkeys who populated the valley in the late '90s and early 2000s. He's since traveled widely. Completing big wall first ascents on all seven continents. I would
1: describe Cedar as a old school professional climber who has spent his years adventuring around the world, putting up new routes. You know, a bit of a bit of a character. Or if I was feeling ungenerous, I, I could call him the uh, world's weakest professional climber in terms of pure physical rock climbing strength.
3: Honold, meanwhile, is a very strong climber. He grew up in climbing gyms before venturing out onto real rock and eventually becoming a superstar thanks to the Oscar-winning documentary Free Solo, about his mission to become the first person to climb Yosemite's El Capitan without a rope. His fame is well-earned, according to journalist and climber Andrew Bicharat, who wrote about Honnold and Cedar's partnership for Outside Magazine's summer 2021 issue.
4: Alex Honnold is the best free solo rock climber ever to have lived, and his accomplishments in this realm... I think will not be matched any time in my lifetime. I'm pretty confident of that.
3: <laughs> Cedar describes Honald a bit differently.
2: I mean, he's a motherfucker, so sometimes it'll just be this like, dude, like, what's your problem kind of attitude. And you're like, well, my problem is that I want to put in a piece before I do what looks like some really overhanging hard climbing.
3: Climbing is a sport built on partnership. In perhaps its most basic forms, it involves two people connected by a rope literally putting their lives in each other's hands. But Honnold's specialty, free soloing, involves neither a rope nor a belayer. Honnold is in a league of his own, the master of a discipline that has alone baked into the name. He is mentally and physically capable of feats that no other climber would consider. This, along with his hyper-analytical, sometimes uncompromising approach to the sport, means that in addition to climbing alone, he's also often a loner.
4: Alex No Big Deal Honold is sort of a, a moniker that has been attached to him. And he does have that attitude where everything is easy and he doesn't really understand that people struggle in ways that he doesn't. He's just on such a different plane that he really just doesn't understand mediocrity.
3: Which sure makes you wonder why he'd call on Cedar to join him for an elite day of soloing.
1: It'll be a really fun almost like a roller coaster ride through the canyons where you up and over a bunch of the, the peaks and, and get to climb some of the really good
2: climbing routes.
3: This is not how Cedar describes today's objective.
2: I just turned 46 and hodled throughout the idea of, dude, you should do a birthday challenge. Like I've got this crazy Ridge Traverse thing lined up and it's gonna be a big day out covering a bunch of iconic terrain in Red Rocks and we're gonna solo it all. And I was like, oh, that sounds kinda heinous.
3: Their differences don't end there. Honold doesn't drink, trains constantly, and his favorite foods are bell peppers, which he eats like apples, and raspberries. He looks as if he was chiseled from marble by Michelangelo. Cedar, on the other hand, looks more like the Ninja Turtle of the same name.
2: Hey, Michelangelo, how come you're
0: not shouting cowabunga?
3: With a distinctive chest-out, elbows-back-gait that's the result of a compressed spine. He says that if Honold's body is a temple, his is a brewery. And yet, they turn out to be surprisingly well-suited to each other. For one thing, they share a seemingly unnatural lack of fear. If you saw Free Solo, you were likely sweating in your seat, watching Honnold shimmy up El Capitan without a rope. But on screen, Honnold is calm and collected, confident in his abilities and unfazed by the thousands of feet of open air between him and the ground. Cedar has never climbed at Honnold's level, but he's a strong soloist too.
4: He would spend entire seasons living in Joshua Tree in the 90s, where he would routinely free solo 30 pitches a day.
3: He also prospers on rock that would make other climbers quake in their rubber-soled shoes.
4: His real skill is that he can get up just about any kind of rock of any quality, of any style, anywhere in the world. And so his nickname is the Choss Boss. Choss is a word climbers use to describe rock that's of low quality so it like breaks in your hand the kind of rock that no one really wants to climb and um cedar's the the boss of that style
3: <laughs> this mastery has come from years and years of putting himself in extremely uncomfortable situations
4: training is like
3: exposure
2: right when you've been exposed to something really heinous and gnarly suddenly something that would seem really heinous and gnarly someone else just, just seems like a fun day out to you
3: and that experience shows up on the wall at Red Rock, both Honwald and Cedar are at ease. In 15 minutes, they cover the first 900 feet of 5'8 climbing, an advanced beginner level grade, blazing past climbers who are working on sending their very first multi-pitch routes. Hey, guys. No way! Oh, my God, what a... Nice to see you in, in person. <laughs> they chat casually the whole way, catching up on life, sharing stories, and raving about how good the climbing is.
1: Isn't this rock like totally insane? It's really good. Yeah.
3: Cedar might be one of the only people with less fear on a rock wall than Alex Honnold. A fact that got them through multiple expeditions, including one to Antarctica in 2017.
1: We got to the base of this three-pitched little tower, and it was snowing and it's Antarctica, and it was like pretty grim as you can imagine. And i was like i just don't want to climb it and i was slightly resentful of the fact that i often get roped into expeditions and then because i'm typically the stronger leader i just wind up having to do all the things i don't really want to do because i happen to be better at them and on this particular instance i was like i just refuse to lead this tower and i was like you're the one that proposed this whole expedition like if you want to climb things in antarctica you better lead it and he was like sure no problem and he just racked up and and led the whole thing, which meant that I got to stay completely comfortable, totally warm. And Cedar was up there on lead, scraping snow off the ledges and getting all gripped and s- super scared. it was one of those times where I was like, wow, you know, we got the summit, this really cool feature on a day that otherwise would have just been considered a bad weather day, I guess, because Cedar was willing to just, you know, make it happen. To me, that's a good partner when you can take up the slack for the other partner on, on the days where it matters.
3: Cedar's strong mental game is a big reason why he's able to pull off today's climb at Red Rock, especially after not climbing once in the last six weeks, because he was in Columbia pursuing his newfound love of paragliding.
2: I haven't climbed in a month and a half. I've just been like sitting in my paragliding harness. Like, I'm basically like human veal.
3: Cedar is exaggerating. A bit. He's been running and training with a hangboard, a tool that helps build finger and arm strength. But he's not in great shape. Which means that by agreeing to do this, he's essentially signed himself up for a whole lot of suffering. This is the second major component of their partnership.
4: When Alex needs to call someone who he knows can just go to the most inhospitable places and be a reliable partner, he's going to call Cedar and vice versa.
3: Which is to say, yes, Honnold and Cedar are climbing partners, but they're also Suffer buddies, as is evident in Sufferfest 1 and 2. Films that document the pair as they trudge through weeks long bike tours, climbing various objectives in California and then in the four corners. When they shot Sufferfest one in twenty thirteen, neither had ever done a serious bike tour before.
1: Once our legs heal up and all the aches and pains go away, I'll be like, Oh, you know, it was fine. I mean we did it. And then and then we'll be stupid enough to do something like this again someday. Turns out
3: And they did. The next summer, they biked even further through the desert southwest, summiting 45 towers, some of which gave Cedar the chance to put his Choss Boss moniker to the test.
1: Cedar thinks the title should be Desert Alpine. I think the title should be 34 pieces of choss and five horrendous life experiences.
3: Suffering, in this sense, is about more than just having a high pain tolerance. I guess it's the Sufferfest, right? It's about being just stubborn enough to keep going, no matter how badly you want to quit.
1: Cedar's biggest impact on my climbing has probably been facilitating certain sorts of adventures that I never would have had otherwise. Just thinking of the Sufferfest trips together and our expedition to Antarctica and, and some other trips we've been on... They're some of the more formative moments in my climbing, and they're really big experiences for me. And they wouldn't have been possible without having a motivated partner who was pushing just as hard to make those trips happen.
3: We'll be right back.
0: At the top of the episode, we learned about Bosch e-bike systems and why they are the leading supplier of motors, displays, and rechargeable batteries for the most reputable electric bike brands in the world. And now, we're going to hear about frozen yogurt.
3: I'll have a cake battle with the raspberry and pomegranate tart. Please, and with no
0: topic. Apparently, that's delicious if you're 12 okay. years old and halfway through a day-long electric bike ride with your family. My lucky boy was borrowing an adult e-bike with a Bosch Performance Line Sport Motor, a new Class 3 motor that provides pedal-assist power up to 28 miles per hour. They're ideal for longer trips and making a speedy run to the froyup shop. That's Hello, way on the other the, side of town. Cake
4: bottle with...
0: Today's e bikes are opening up possibilities like this to all kinds of riders. People are leaving their cars in the driveway to explore their local parks and greenways in a whole new way, and also turning regular errands into impromptu adventures. Like that time last week, when my younger two boys and I decided to take our cargo bike on that dirt trail that eventually gets us to the grocery store. Nice! She's
1: probably just going to freestyle
0: Others are extending the range on touring odysseys. E-mountain bikers are ditching the shuttle ride to the tops of trails because they can roll there on their own. Bosch's mid-drive motor systems work synergistically with the bike's gears, so they are extremely efficient and can take you so much farther on a single charge. Brands like Trek, Cannondale, Turn, Electra, and Canyon choose Bosch e-bike systems because they are reliable and make all kinds of e-bikes—from gravel to hybrid to road—lighter, easier to handle, and more fun to ride. Find a Bosch e-bike dealer near you and learn why so many riders trust Bosch to help them stay fit, save money, and reduce their carbon footprint at Bosch-ebike.com. That's B-O-S-C-H-ebike.com.
2: With like a move I-6, but you're not going to like just clean your Well, dad. no,
1: you are going to die if you fall. Okay, cool. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not make any mistakes <laughs> about that. It's still sure death if you fall.
3: Another strong element in Cedar Wright and Alex Honnold's friendship is their desire to stay true to the wild, adventurous roots of rock climbing, even as it's become a mainstream sport that's now part of the Olympics. Which is somewhat ironic, considering the large role that climbing gyms played in Honnold's early development as an athlete.
1: I'm sort of you know, first generation of climbers that grew up in a climbing gym, so obviously I climbed at a slightly higher standard than folks before me. And now I'm very much seeing the next generation of kids coming out of a gym we are just like, wow, it's a whole different standard again.
3: But at heart, they're both Yosemite climbers. Which means that they also know that there's no replacement for going outside.
1: Modern rock climbing has its roots in classical alpinism, and I do think there's something to be said for still having connections to the mountains or the greater environment at large. Like, it makes sense to go out into the world and experience nature. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's funny that, that modern competition climbing, you could win the Olympics as a rock climber and have never actually touched real rock. Which... I hate to sound old school, but I'm like, that does make me a little bit sad to think that the best climber in the world could have never touched actual rock. (laughs) I mean, I think it's important to get outside and actually remember the real connection to the world around us.
3: In the gym, you can increase your forearm strength. You can train your finger tendons to hold your entire body weight. You can get your feet used to being crammed into tight, sweaty shoes but you can't feel the wind or the exposure or the texture of real rock under your hands and against the rubber of your shoes. Ask Cedar about this, and he gets a little metaphysical.
2: One of my first free ascents was the uh, first free ascent of this thing called the psychedelic wall on the Sentinel, which is this really beautiful formation in Yosemite Valley. And I was climbing with this guy, Jose Pereira, who is this very cosmic guy. And I remember I was like, kind of frustrated because I was like, there's this 513 pitch, and I just couldn't quite get it. And I was like, what should I do to get stronger? And and Jose was like, the universe will train you. If you have a goal and um, you just keep working towards the goal, the opportunities to get stronger will kind of provide themselves. I'm not sure if I totally think the universe just trains you, but I do actually think that there's no replacement for actually lots of time spent on real rock developing your skills and your craft. And that's a big part of training that's more and more overlooked in, in modern climbing. Um, you're seeing a lot of these climbers who are very They're very strong, but they're kind of crappy rock climbers in all reality, right? Like, if you were just, like, to stick them in front of some random rock in some random place, there's, like, a very solid chance they wouldn't be able to get up it. They don't have the craft, right? They don't have, like, the the years of just, like, climbing, you know, a slab and an overhang and and loose rock and basalt and granite and limestone and, like, more of just, like, a real dedication to the craft of rock climbing.
3: In other words... Conald and Cedar are just absolutely enormous nerds about climbing. They geek out over the composition of the rock. This is like all time. Amazing rock. The grip of a good hold. What a delight. And the angle of a wall. This is crazy,
2: dude. I mean, this might be one of the best by I've ever done so far. It's been incredible.
4: If you want to be in this sport for a long time and especially if you want to do dangerous adventurous styles of climbing you actually have to really love what you're doing and the love has to be greater than the fear and i think that is true for both cedar and alex
3: the love will get you through a lot it will motivate you to set big goals to plan the trip to get to the base of the climb but when you're halfway up a thousand foot wall without a rope the ability to crack a joke to distract from the thought of falling to your death doesn't hurt either.
1: Now that experience, you'd land on the tower down there, so it'd be fun. Oh yeah, no, you're right. It'd be just like a hard paragliding <laughs> landing.
2: thought It's so more of a dance, really, for me. It's not just to climb it, but to make love to it.
1: you feel the Honnold impatience, like... No, not impatient. Just just have a timer going. I mean,
2: that's not impatient. <laughs> that's just, just... Local guide, Alice Honnold. <laughs> Sun, sun, sun. Fuck yeah.
1: You better accelerate because I'm going to sit on your head soon.
2: This is where the recreational rock climber in me wants to just go get a beer, but
4: first ascent glory. Being able to have a sense of humor about really grim situations is, I think, an underrated skill in the climbing world. Even if you're on a rope, it's often scary going rock climbing. And so to be able to joke and just make light of your situation, I think, is part of the armor that you can fortify yourself with to allow you to continue to do what you do without thinking too deeply about it.
3: Which brings us to another important component of Honnold and Cedar's bond. Talking shit.
4: The way that they talk about each other is often at first in like sort of unflattering, sarcastic terms. The ultimate...
2: Climbing dickhead. Oh, it's Honold. No.
4: <laughs> yeah, what, what God didn't give you in talent, he gave you in confidence. The way that I think good guy friends speak about each other, where they often have to disparage each other first and foremost before they can say something sweet.
3: But they definitely do get sweet. Eventually.
4: A
1: cedar definitely represents the
2: generation of, of real adventure climbers. A selfless part to it with Honold wanting to uh, see his buddy send. And it's less about Doing the rad stuff than just doing rad stuff with your with your buddy sometimes, I think, which is cool.
1: He's just fun to climb with. He's always psyched, he's motivated, he's ready for adventures. He can often lead things that I don't want to lead. You know, he's a he's into the the sort of unpleasant side of climbing. So if it's like a mossy wet off with, you're like, Oh perfect, Cedar's got it.
2: Donald is a hyper analytical, hyper goal oriented person who's extremely intelligent and extremely capable of making his way towards whatever goal he sets for himself. At the same time, maybe he just learned this from hanging out with me so much, but over time he's gotten like to have a decent sense of humor, at least a 5 out of 5 out of 10.
3: <laughs> the bond that Honald and Cedar have, what allows them to poke fun at the other guys weaknesses while also having real affection for him? All that is only possible because of what they've gone through together, through many brutal expeditions.
1: You know, it's trial by fire, it's like very intense experiences together, and it really either destroys a friendship or solidifies a friendship, and and in this case, I think that it's really solidified the friendship over the years. My father-in-law has the saying that before you marry somebody, you should spend a week on a sailing boat together. And uh, I think, you know, expedition life with with climbing partners is very much the same, where it's just such an intense experience. Like, you, you know pretty quickly whether or not you're actually friends.
3: So that's what it takes to be the climbing partner, the adventure buddy, the training motivator, the suffer companion, and the friend of a professional climber. A lack of fear, a willingness to suffer, an undying love for the adventurous soul of the sport, and most of all, a sense of humor about the whole enterprise. At least... That's the tangible stuff that you can quantify and label. But like any relationship, the reality is a little harder to name. Yeah, I mean, a good
2: partner, I think more than, more than anything, it's just good chemistry, right? It's it's just somebody that motivates you to be better and that gives you that space to, to be better and that you like being around. All this audio will be pretty awesome for a podcast. Oh, man. Have you, have you said anything inappropriate? <laughs>
1: I don't think I have yet, just douchey.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) This episode was produced by Marin Larson and written by Marin Larson and Andrew Bishara. Andrew interviewed Alex Honnold and Cedar Wright. The piece was edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. If you want more climbing in your podcasts, you can check out Andrew's show. It's called The Runout. You can watch Sufferfest 1 and 2 on vimeo this episode was brought to you by bosch e-bike systems maker of outstanding motors displays and rechargeable batteries that work seamlessly with the most reputable electric bike brands in the world learn more at bosch.com that's b-o-s-c-h.com the outside podcast is made possible by the support of our outside plus members learn more and join at outsideonline.com slash outside plus. Outside podcast listeners get twenty-five percent off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OutsidePod. That's Outside Pod, all lowercase.